Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Okay. All right. We'll pray and get into the word. <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much today. We thank you for your presence. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your word and your spirit, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the plan that you had to redeem us, which included the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. So we thank you as we get into this today, Father God, that it becomes even more clear and that we can communicate these things to people out there that don't know you and we can lead them to you and they can be born again. So we thank you as we get into your word today in Jesus' name, amen. So we're on this series that we're calling The Resurrection Effect. And I wanna start today and read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3 and 4. Uh, so that says, I've been, I, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. So you know that right there, Christ died for our sins. We want to look into that today. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And I like the fact that it says that twice, in accordance with the scriptures. Two different times we see that. So he was, he died according to the scripture, and he was raised according to the scripture. We're going to look closer into that today. Before we do, just a few things that we mentioned this last week, but uh, you know, when you're out there, the resurrection is the biggest thing. And in, in my opinion, it's the most important and biggest thing out there because no one was raised from the dead except Jesus (laughs) I I mean you know that's why we're here because of the resurrection and uh, so I the next four verses if you look at it it says this it says and that he appeared notice there's four that he appeared Cephas and the twelve then more than 500 he appeared Notice that. And then verse 7, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and then last of all, he appeared to Paul, the troublemaker that uh, killed Christians. Uh, He appeared to him, okay? Uh, And so, and, and some people, especially, you know, the 500 part, you know, somebody could say, well, the Lord appeared to me, one person, and you could say, oh, you've been, you're just dreaming. You, you ate some, you know, whatever they ate back then. You got a hold of some bad olive oil or something like that, you know. <laughs> but not 500. Not 500. 500 people weren't seeing things, and so uh, so that that's just interesting to note. So I met. I'm going to have this screen go up again. I put the screen up last week about these books because we're not we're not really proving the resurrection here this this morning. But I know out there, we're most, I mean, 99%, if not all of us are born-again Christians, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But to put something into your hands, this here, there's four books here, and if you can only get one, is that next screen? If you can only get one, uh, get that top one. Uh, it's, it's probably uh, the most popular, and the, the best things are said about that book. 
So if you want to take a snapshot, so if you know somebody out there and they are struggling concerning the resurrection, I recommend uh, that you get that. It could give you some, equip you better to help them understand that, okay? So today, what we want to talk about today is the death and resurrection of Christ. So let's go back to those scriptures again in 1 Corinthians 15, and it says, For I deliver to you as the first important importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Okay, so when this happened, we're going to just kind of talk a little bit about his death, and then some about his resurrection. So of course we know that he was crucified, and he was nailed to a tree. When Jesus was nailed to that cross, there were three things that were nailed to the cross, okay? And he was one of them. So let's look at this, Colossians chapter 2, and starting in verse 12, it's part, uh, the second part of verse 12. It says, you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead, Then verse 13, you who were dead in your trespasses, and I took some parts out of there just for time's sake and and to emphasize the part that we want to see. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses or sins. And then verse 14, it says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside nailing it to the cross. And so there were three things that were nailed to the cross when Jesus was put on that cross. So the Romans nailed two things out of the three. The Romans nailed these two things, Jesus, and then there was an inscription that they nailed on top of his head that says, King of the Jews. So those are the two things that were seen by everyone because we you know we live in a natural realm so the natural realm we can taste and we can see and we can hear and we can touch so every healthy person has all of their senses that they can do that and so when this was uh seen by whoever was there to see it they saw jesus nailed to the cross And they saw the inscription on top of his head, the king of Jews, of the Jews. But there was a third thing that was nailed to that cross that could only be seen in the realm of the Holy Spirit, in the spiritual realm, okay? And so this realm that we're talking about, the people that watched, they just could see the natural realm. But now Paul, the apostle, when he is writing to us, he had insight into the spiritual realm, and he saw a third thing that was nailed to the cross that no one else could see. And the only reason now that we can see it is because we have the same spirit that Paul had, and the Holy Spirit teaches us spiritual things. And and so this third thing that he saw uh, is in going back to Colossians 2.14, it says, canceling the record of debt 
that stood against us. What Paul saw that no one else could see was the record of debt. And this record of debt, uh, you know, it, it's here, that's what the way it says it in the English Standard Version. I thought maybe we would look at some other versions to help us see it a little better. So here is the uh, contemporary English version. It says, God wiped out the charges that were against us for disobeying the law of Moses. And, we, you know, and, so, and, and you know, if you're a studier and you really research, you may know that some people would say, well, it's not only the law of Moses. It's any of God's laws. And, you know, I don't really like to argue things like that. So let's just say all of, all of God's commands and laws, you know, because, because there, people like to debate those kind of things. The thing is that Adam sinned, and when he sinned, we immediately had a problem. There was a sin problem, okay? And then the Mosaic law came in, and really what the Mosaic law did, and, and here, I just got, here, here's something that I put up there to help us understand this. God's laws reveal God's standards. His laws reveal his standards. And so here's the first thing that we know about the, his standards that he put down for us, what he thinks is right and wrong. So when the law, you know, Paul said when the law came, sin revived and I died. In other words, it wasn't until God said this is what's right and this is what's wrong that it really started to affect me. It isn't until we really know what God says, this is right and this is wrong, and then it, it confronts us. So God's laws reveal God's standards. Okay, and so I'm going to just take a little break here, and uh, I especially... If you're going to school right now, you're younger, and you're in school, I really want you to listen to this. What's going on right now in the education system around the world, it seems like uh, they're trying to tell you younger people that everything's okay and we should accept everything. And here, here's the thing, when you hear that taught in school, really what you want to do, younger people, is you really want to know what God says is right and wrong. Because somebody teaching in your school, if they don't know God, they really don't know what's right and wrong. So God's laws reveal God's standards. And he lets us know what he thinks is right and wrong. Okay, the second thing is that what he would consider holy. You know, God has a standard of holiness. Now, we heard earlier, we have the spirit of holiness on the inside of us. And this is the, the amazing thing about, you know, I, I don't want to get too excited and get ahead of myself, but because of the shed blood of Jesus, God can come on the inside of us and it doesn't kill us. Because Jesus sacrificed himself and he became sin for us and shed his blood. You know, in the old covenant, if you walked into the, the place where God dwelt, into the temple, you know, the sanctuary, whatever you want to call it, where the Holy of Holies was, if you walked in there and got close to the presence of God, you would just fall dead because man was too sinful to get near the holiness of God and it would just knock him dead. But since Jesus shed his blood and took our sin, not only can we get close to the presence of God, he came on the inside of us. The spirit of holiness is on the inside of us. 
the glory of God is on the inside of us. But see, he, he's in us, and we're alive, and we're quickened by that. But it doesn't mean, and here's the next thing we want to see, his laws will never be wiped out. So just be, because of what he's done now, he's forgiven us, it doesn't mean the next one we'll put up there, the last one, his standards will never change. So God's standards haven't changed. What he considers right and wrong haven't changed. He's still holy, and he still has a standard of holiness. You know, I, I remember, uh, and I don't, know, I don't know if anyone in this country said that, but I remember a couple years ago when they had uh, the elections going on in the United States, and one of those politicians made something, a statement, boy, you know, it can make, you know, you, it can get you upset when somebody says that the Bible is an old book and it needs updated, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? That, that can make you want your, you know, your hands like this, but you want to put it into a fist, but you have to walk in love and forgive and pray for people, right? But the Bible doesn't need refreshed. So God hasn't changed, and his standards haven't changed. So then what was different? So, you know, we're looking at this scripture when it says that he wiped out the charges that were against us. Okay, so here's what we want to see. We're talking about his death and what happened there. And so we see that the penalty mankind was paying for sin... And, and there was a penalty that we were all paying. So when we say, well, what's different? You know, did he get rid of the law? Did he change his standards? No, he didn't. But the penalty for Adam and Eve, that sin, and then secondly, the penalty of breaking God's laws, that is what he took care of for us. That's big. You know, sometimes what we have our screens going, you know, and, and uh, if you look at them after we dismiss, and there's this one thing that comes up that says, God's not mad at you. You know, that, that's like a really, maybe, maybe that's become popular now, you know, and maybe there's a lot of people that heard that, but you know, you know how big that is? That God isn't mad at you? <laughs> um now, you might be saying, so that, does that mean now if he got rid of all this, then, then, you know, what, we can just do anything or anything like that? Well, Romans, you know, and we're not, I'm just going to quote these real quick. There's a scripture in Romans and one in Galatians that says that love is the fulfilling of the law. And, and it says, do not do anything wrong to your neighbor because uh, love, if you do no wrong to your neighbor, if you do no wrong to your neighbor, then, and you love your neighbor then love is the fulfilling of the law. So what would that mean? Well, you can look at the law and all the do's and don'ts of the law. If you love your neighbor, you'll actually be doing the law. In other words, it says do not c commit adultery you know, with your, your friend's wife, as an example. Well, if you walk in love, you'll stay away from your friend's wife or husband. And you're fulfilling the law. So it's not like... If you have love on the inside of you and you yield to that love, you'll actually end up keeping the law and fulfilling the law. Does that make sense? But let's look at a few more of these scriptures. Like look at Colossians 2.14, the same verse again. That says the bond with its requirements 
which was in force against us and hostile to us. You notice that there, the way it says it, it was actually hostile to us. Do you know how much of the world thinks God is mad at them? So much of the world, and, and we're going to talk about it a little bit here, but he canceled and cleared it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. That's the Weymouth translation. Look, at, this is the New Testament in modern English, which I think is the Phillips translation also. And that's Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. That says Christ has utterly wiped out the damning evidence of broken laws and commandments which always hung over our heads and has completely annulled it by nailing it to over his own head on the cross. I like the way that uh, translation says that. Over his own head on the cross. The, the, that, uh, the way that it says it, damning ev evidence of broken laws and commandments that's hanging over our heads. When we say that God isn't mad at us, it's, just, it's more than those few words. He's not holding those things against us. Now, do you know that, because out there, people don't know that, and they think God... Most people think God is mad at them. They think God is doing bad things. Like I, I think I mentioned last week, insurance policies, if there's a, a hurricane or a cyclone or a tornado like we had in the States or a flood, it's like, you know, that's an act of God. Like God was the architect of the flood and God was the architect of the tornado. And so the insurance policy is blaming it on God because, you know, God has the right to wipe out houses and people if he so desires to do so, okay? And, uh, and so the, God getting blamed for things. So we have to think then that most people and most religions, the way that they are created is because of sin and trying to get rid of the sin problem. So people... They, they know that they have made mistakes and they have failed and they need to be better. Most religions, you know, base everything on that. You failed, you make mistakes, and you need to get better. Okay? So that leads to the creation of religion. A desire to feel peace and be at peace and be fulfilled and uh, have inner strength. Those kind of things. You hear those kind of things. So most religions, they practice meditation and religious rituals. Uh, they read self-help books, fast and pray, and do personal sacrifice, all of those kind of things. Doesn't that all sound noble? But, you know, none of it will save you. Absolutely none of it saves us. Okay? So when it comes to connecting with God... The problem has always been sin, and that's why so many religions started up. And I was talking to Patsy, you know, I was FaceTiming her yesterday, as, uh, and uh, it was near the evening, and I, I just finished praying and studying and working on this. And I made this statement to her, you know, I thought, man, after Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death in the grave and all that he did, who really would have the nerve to create another religion? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, wow. I mean, the, somebody was raised from the dead. That's like huge. 
That is like huge. But it's that sin problem that people dealing with sin, trying to get that, remove that, what it does to you and the way that it makes you feel. So really, all religions, whether they want to admit it or not, they're trying to solve the sin problem. That's what, you know, it's trying to solve the sin problem. So as I was meditating on these things, these few things came into my heart that I want to just give out. Uh, And here's the first one. The fall of man brought sin and spiritual death. Most of us know that. But hence, the sin nature. So if you're new in Christianity, you know, uh, and you might say, well, what's the sin nature? Well, you know, it's real simple. The Bible says that when Adam and Eve, you know, when they sinned, it said that sin came upon all of mankind. It actually says that God told them that if you eat this fruit, that you shall die. Now, they didn't die physically. There was a spiritual death. So last week, I don't have time to cover it, but we talked about what is spiritual death. And we made that statement that spiritual death, it means that you're alive physically, but you're dead spiritually. That's what spiritual death is. And so people that are not born into Christ, they're actually alive physically, but they're dead spiritually. And so even the Bible says that, that you know, it talks about in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 2, it, sa- it says something like this, And you has he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world. See, there's the world's on a course. And then it talks about the course of this world, the, the course of the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. That's Ephesians chapter 2, you know, verse 1 and 2. And, and so people that aren't born again, they're walking around, but they're dead spiritually. And the Bible says the world is on this course. And the course of the world is being influenced by something that's dead spiritually. And so that's why the Bible says you're in the world to us, but you're not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of it. We mentioned last week that we, the song that the Imperials wrote, this, the Christian group that's been, you know, they're, they're over 70 years old now. Some of them are home to be with the Lord. I listen to the trumpet of Jesus while the world hears the different tune or something. I march to the drumbeat of God Almighty while the others just wander around. I mean, when you, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, you, you are no longer walking according to the course of this world. You're, we're quickened and we're made alive, and we're hearing something different, and we're walking a different way. And so the fall of man brought sin and spiritual death, which hence, that's where the sin nature. So everyone that has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, that's why we're here on the earth. That's why we exist as a church. We've got to get people born again so they can become quickened and made alive and they don't march and follow the course of this world. Here's the next thing that came into my heart. Religion is an appeasement for spiritual death. And that's how most of it starts, okay? Religion is an attempt at creating ways for people to rid themselves of the guilt associated with sin. 
okay? And so this guilt that the world would feel, you know, as, as soon as I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and was born again, it's like that guilt gets removed. It will try to come back, and that's why we need to get into the Word and get revelation and understanding, because that guilt will try to come on Christians. But if you really have an understanding of the Bible, guilt should not be a factor. We, we can keep guilt off of us if we have understanding. So God, of course, was the only one that could solve this sin problem that man had. So 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, uh, here's what, the way it says it. It says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He was the only one that could solve that problem. Okay, so this can, here's another thing that came into my heart then. Christianity is more than a human being writing down some noble ideas, principles, and good deeds for us to observe and do. Let that sink in a little. You know, you know, wake up in the morning and get a, a pad and a pencil and just write some things down, some noble ideas and principles and good deeds and say, this is what you should do. And if you do this, God won't be mad at you. And, you know, if you're good enough, you might be able to go to heaven in the end. Uh, well... I don't think that's what it is. Here's another thing. Jesus didn't come to make us better. He came to cleanse us of sin and make us the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, it does make us better, but it's from the inside out. Here's another thought. No other founder of religion took our sins, died, and rose again from the dead. They may have taken a pad and a pencil or whatever they had to write, and they may have written down some nice things and maybe even took some out of the Bible. Like, you know, it's like a lot of times people take things from the Old Testament, some from the New, put it all together, you know, shake it together in a bag and put it out there on a, on a paper pad or, you know, in today's digital world. And some good, you know, good stuff, but, you know, it's missing the main thing. The main thing. So like Hebrews chapter 2, here, here's what everything, every, only Jesus Christ can give us this. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. The only, as a human being... I'm sorry, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Now, you know, that, that's like the difference. <laughs> There's no one else that could have done that. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, because Christ also once for all died for sins, the innocent one for the guilty many, in order to bring us to God, he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. 
No one else qualified to do that. No one else could do that. Everyone else that put some ideas together and wrote them down, they died, they got put into a grave, and they stayed there. He is the one. Jesus is the one. He is the only one. The resurrection, now we talked a lot right now about his death, but the resurrection, he could have done all those things, but the resurrection was still important. The resurrection validated Jesus. No one else got validated, ever. He's the only one that got validated. Now somebody recently said, but didn't Jesus raise people from the dead when he walked on the earth? Well, yeah, he did, but they weren't the Savior. He raised them from the dead because they died. But no one ever died and got raised from the dead three days later from a supernatural power. No one. So Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Do you see that? The resurrection from the dead validated Jesus. You see the spirit of holiness there too? Praise the Lord. He, he was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. Hallelujah. The spirit of holiness, the glory of God, the power of God raised Jesus from the dead, and that's what validated him. That's why when he walked on the earth, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light, and no one can get to the Father except through me. I realize when we teach and preach this with this kind of boldness and directness, it could offend some people. But I cannot say in any good conscience that there is any other way to God except through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> if somebody else was raised from the dead, then we'd have a little competition there. But there's no competition. Because death and sin had to be conquered. And somebody had to die and take that sin and then be raised in order to conquer death and sin. It was the only way that it could happen. So the resurrection secured all that Jesus died for. Like 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and, uh, and verse 17. It says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You see that? So good stuff, you know, good things, like let's do something nice and be good and do a good deed. Uh, that's nice, you know. I actually do those things because I have him on the inside. I was up in Springwood at the Arndale Plaza, and you know how we can get sometimes, you know, we put our turn signal on for a parking place, and we don't see somebody that they were already there, and then we think, well, you know, should I take it anyway? But 
you, you, gotta, you have to admit you've all maybe done that or thought of, at least thought about it. <laughs> so I was right there thinking, what should I do? <laughs> and so I put my window down and I went like this, and it was, it was an elderly lady, and, and so then she took the parking place and then I found another one. So then when I was walking in, I actually, she noticed who I was when I was in my car. I was surprised. So I, I was walking in and she said, young man, she goes, I've lived in Springwood. She moved up from the south. I lived in Springwood, I don't know, 30 or 40 years, and no one's ever done that before. Boy, that's when I thought, that's a while back that I, that happened. I thought, I wish I had one of these back then. <laughs> that was a great opportunity. Do you know why I did that? Because I have somebody on the inside of me that changed me. <laughs> it wasn't really me. It was the spirit of holiness on the inside. Look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. It says, He was given over because of our transgressions and raised for the sake of our justification. He was given over for our sin. And then he was raised, and this is the difference. No one else was ever raised. Okay, there's people out there that die for a cause, stupid causes. I mean, you know, people blow themselves up and stuff. But he died for the problem that the whole world had, which is sin. He died for that. And the other people die for causes, but they weren't, they're not raised from the dead. And they don't fix whatever they think the problem is that they die for. They can't fix it. He fixed it. And so just closing up today, Here's a few final thoughts. What the resurrection assures. Okay. The penalty of sin, of course, was placed on Jesus. All right. Our sins are washed away. Not, you know, I, I like, you know, don't hold it against me or anything, but I like to clean. I know some people don't like cleaning, but I actually like to clean. And I actually get on some people's nerves sometimes because of that. Because I, I like it all, you know, clean and stuff. And so it, that, can, you know, every, I know there's people going both ways. So that, so that my way can bug, so still love me if my way bugs your way, okay? But you know, there's just something about it when you clean something and you really clean it good. It's like the dirt is washed away and gone. And and until you mess it up again, never to be seen. Jesus washed our sins away. One, one place in the Old Testament says, he removed our sins as far as from the east is from the west. So somebody made this statement years ago. They said, if you got on an airplane and start flying east, you would fly east forever because you never stopped flying east. You never stop. If you're flying east, you will fly east till you run out of fuel. <laughs> That's how far he took our sins. As far as the east is from the west. Do you understand that we, when the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, it's because of the death and the resurrection of Christ that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sins have been dealt with, washed away, taken. 
Now, I, that doesn't mean that you don't miss it. It doesn't mean that people aren't missing it and missing the mark, but you understand the penalty of that. And so when you miss the mark, 1 John 1.9 says you go to him and you agree with him. What's it say in first? If you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to cleanse you. So you are cleansed, but when you miss it, you, you don't run away from God. You run to him because the penalty of sin has been dealt with. You don't have to be afraid of God, and he's not mad at you. So we make a practice of running to him and not away from him. <laughs> Praise God. We... We become new creatures in Christ, spirit of holiness, the glory of God on the inside of us. That's what the resurrection assures. Nothing else can assure that. The creator of the universe on the inside of us, glory of God, spirit of holiness on the inside of us. Only Jesus can give that. We become the righteousness of God in Christ. We're in right standing. That, that sounds fancy and everything, but we're, simply means you're in right standing with God. He's not mad at you. You're in good standing with him. We're given, we are given a heavenly seat in Christ. We're seated in heavenly places. Death no longer has dominion over us. Praise the Lord. We're going to live forever. And we're going to live in the right place forever in heaven. Praise the Lord. And we can, while we're on the earth, because of this, we can rule and reign in Christ on the earth. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much. Father, I, I thank you so much for the death and the resurrection that you planned before the foundation of the world. You knew that Adam would fall. You were not surprised that man would sin. And even before you created the universe and the worlds, you had the solution. So I thank you, Heavenly Father, for that in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that if there would be anyone in this room today that they have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray, Lord, that you speak to them and make it really clear that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way to the Father except through him. Praise God. If that's you, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. I'm sure that you sense his love. I'm sure that he's pulling on your heart. He's the spirit of truth, so he's probably telling you right now, that's true. That's true. You know that it's true, that you need a savior. You know that he's the way. You know that he took your sin. He's tugging on your heart right now, and he's letting you know that's truth. Praise the Lord. So if he's, if he's talking to you right now, we're going to help you take that next step. And that next step is, the, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. He really made it easy. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. We're going to lead you in that prayer. He made it easy for us. It's not all these good works and all these various things. The way that he works, he bought and paid for our salvation. We freely receive it because he freely gives it. 
And then he gets on the inside of us. And then because he's on the inside of us, we end up doing good works. It follows. It follows. The good works follow. Praise the Lord. So we're going to pray this prayer. And we like to close our eyes here when we pray. It's just we're able to pray from our heart. And we're able to concentrate when we pray. So let's close our eyes and let's pray this prayer today. And if you're here and you have not yet confessed Jesus is your Lord, you haven't passed from death to life, you don't have the glory of God on the inside of you and the spirit of holiness as we've been talking about, this is your opportunity to have all of that. So we're going to pray right now. All right, let's, let's do this. Heavenly Father, you can we all say it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the plan, the plan of salvation. I humble myself to your plan. Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. Jesus, I invite you into my heart, my life. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I declare, Jesus, you are Lord. God raised you from the dead and you're my Savior. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.